Content Advisory. This talk contains sexual themes. Cradio. What it means to be man and woman. A talk by James Parker at the Immaculata Mission School 2017, held at the Launceston Church Grammar School in Tasmania. Um, earlier on, uh, somebody came up to me very wisely so and challenged me about the word feminism. All I can say is this is when feminism rose around the time when I was speaking, around the sort of 50s to 1975 in particular, it looked very different to what it looked like today. Do I believe in equal pay for women? Amen to that. Of course. Thank you, gentlemen. You agree with me too. Please hear that, ladies. Woo! Do we believe in equal dignity for you, ladies? Absolutely. You're of equal value to us, and no less. In fact, I want to even challenge that phrase. I worked with a guy called Cardinal Hume, a very wise man. He was 23 years a cardinal. Such a wise man that when he died, the queen called him my cardinal. It's very unusual for the head of the Protestant church to call a Catholic cardinal my cardinal. But there we are. But that showed the effects of the wholeness of that man. And I remember one day he was sat in the office, and we, he was actually sat opposite my desk, and we were having this chat about something. And we were talking about the whole thing of male and female. And he said to me, in his sort of indomitable, sort of posh English voice that he had, he said, uh, he said you know, James, he said, um, every healthy society needs three things. And I said, what are they, Father? He said, mothers, teachers, and spiritual directors. From what you've been learning from me a little bit today, and this isn't fresh, I mean, I'm just copying what others have said and making sure you get informed about it. He said, mothers give a sense of being where we realize that those words we sang, I'm loved by my good father for who I am. Yeah. You know? Being, that's what mothers give. He said, but what teachers do is teachers, once we begin to enter the classroom, they begin to say to us, the visible world out there can be explored. Ooh, insect, my daughter would go. Leaf, you know, it's like, it becomes exciting, I know. I know they all, anyway. But then what happens is once we hit the air of puberty in particular, and we start asking the deeper questions of life, again, we start wondering who we are. Then the invisible world becomes important. And that's about spiritual direction. He said, it's mothers, teachers, spiritual directors. He said, but you know what? Only a woman can be all three. That, ladies, is why you are the pinnacle of creation. I'm serious. Yeah, you give it, give it what for? But I challenge you as well. I challenge you with that comes a challenge. Because what there is, you know, where, where motherhood is concerned, there is a real push that women would have their babies and go back to work and earn this pay and have their career and the rest of it. I mentioned to you that I have eight Muslim brothers and sisters. I have five sisters who've born well over 22 children. They married at 13, 14, and 15 years of age. Okay? But I tell you this is I've watched them with their children, and they are incredible mothers. And those children are being raised as Muslims to live under the law of Islam. I really wish there were more women who'd understood the calling of motherhood in Western society to train and foster their own children in the ways of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. 
It's something we've, we're, it's something we're, I think we've, we haven't lost it. It's something we're losing. And it's something very, very precious. And it's something very, very important in our world. And if we don't have good mothers, they won't, kids won't have a sense of being. And if they haven't got a sense of being, they will, they will be doing, 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 and ADHD and all the rest of it and loads of other stuff that's not fair to them as well. So, um, look, I just wanted to share that little bit with you. And that brings me on also to about being a woman as well and being a man. When I was running the, the sex addicts course, which wasn't about sex or addiction, but about relationships, I'd run it just for men for quite a time. And then I said, look, I have a sense that God wants this to be for men and women. And people said, you can't put men and women sex addicts in the same room together. I said, but I feel God is asking me to do that. I said, and deep down, if this isn't about sex or addictions, about relationships, then what happens, I said, is the men need to know who the men are, the women need to know who the women are, and they can only do that in each other's company. So we actually brought together the men, and we brought together the women, and we had to do it very, very carefully. But to begin with, one of the first sessions, I said, okay, what are the ground rules? And they looked at me like, no, well, what are the ground rules? I said, I'm not making them up. We're going to decide them together. What are they? And you know what amazed me? And, and these people, they were desperate to get well because their addiction was killing them, literally, in some cases. They'd lost jobs, lost lovers, lost money, lost homes, etc. Um, uh, the guys were very, very clear about the women and the way they dressed. You know, they said, you know, when they start wearing shorty short shorts or skirt, shorty skirt skirts and rest of it and their cleavage is being seen and, you know, and I'm seeing their sort of bright green bra strap and things, said it doesn't help me. In fact, it triggers me. And it's hard for me. I know many men who keep going back to the confessional because the stuff around them is triggering them. Now, I thank God we live in the age of linen, and I'm not trying to make money out of linen, but what I'm trying to say is there's ways of covering your body graciously. And I invite you, there's never any pressure, to have a conversation, ladies, with the Lord about that. But you know what, guys? The same is true for us as well today. We can be very kind of out there, you know, whether it's our muscles or our great thighs. If you've got them, I haven't got much of either, but there we are. <laughs> and he still loves me. Yeah. Anyway, but listen, what, what I'm saying is, I mean, what was interesting about that is, is one of the ladies said, um, she said, I'd appreciate it if men only unbuttoned the top button of their shirt and not button number two. Sometimes only a couple of little buttons, etc. And she said, that triggers me. You know, it may have been the curl of the hair over a shirt for somebody, whatever it might be. Whatever it might be, all I know is this, is we learn to have to walk a journey of modesty and respect for one another. It's been a hot day. <laughs> it is a hot day. And there's no judgment here for anybody. And you've only brought certain clothes with you. But I'm inviting you, gentlemen, ladies, all of us, to begin to also look very carefully about how we present ourselves before each other and what our dignity looks like. One last question. I find that I fall in love again and again, usually unrequired. In your experience, is there a typical root cause or wound to this? Basically, you are created to fall in love. And until you fall in love with the truest lover of your heart, you will keep looking everywhere to fall in love. Some of us are more prone to that because if we haven't received strongly of a clear understanding of who we are in mum and dad's sight and in the sight of our siblings or our peers and our cousins, etc., and we've been spewed out of high school having no idea who our peers are or, or mum and dad are, then of course we're absolutely love-starved. And anything that slightly resembles love, we will fall for it because we were created to be loved. 
the more you saw yourself on the right-hand screen earlier on, where the, in a sense, you know, the mistrust and the isolation, all those other words were, the more I invite you to kiss him quick and to enter into more adoration and prayer and to find people around you who are walking in the same direction, walking and taking the narrow road. Then you will have the opportunity to truly come to know who you are and what your love needs are so that you don't throw them before anybody and everybody. You are a precious jewel. Don't throw yourself before swine. There's a bit of a biblical thing in there, to say the least. Is that helpful? Look, I was really touched then, gentlemen, when uh, some of you began to cheer there for the ladies. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you, um, along with me, just to give a round of applause. No, no voices, just hand clapping for the ladies. Would you clap the wonder of the ladies? Enjoy it, seriously. It's what they really think about you. If you have a sense of appreciation for them, put your hands together now and clap them. <laughs> gentlemen, I'd like you to sing this note with me. Just a gentleman. Ladies, you do that now as well. Uh... I want you to really listen to it this time, okay? Sing it again. Uh... Thank you. Men again. And you listen to it. Ah, ah, ah. Okay. She's supposed to be really serious now. <laughs> what do you hear? Complimentary. Very different. <laughs> Look, the first thing is that men aren't melodious. They're clowns. There was a gravitas and a tone in what they, in what they were singing. Was there not? What did you feel? I mean, isn't it amazing? When you began singing that verse up there, I, part of me just wanted to weep. I felt it with, did any of you feel it? What did you feel? Angels? That's godly. That means they heard something godly. Hear that, ladies, because how, how many times do you hear men say, I hear you, I think you're godly? And they applaud you. No. But what's happening is these guys who've been in the presence of God for some days, they're speaking what a truth to you. And the areas where you even slightly doubt or majorly doubt these are the very things that we bring to the cross. What was it like for you when the guys sang, and I'm not talking about whether they're in tune or not, was it like... <laughs> what, 
what, what was it like hearing their voices? Even hearing their voices, you know, doing the ah bit, whatever, rather than the ah bit, you know. Calming. Strong. Strength. United. What, what, did it, what did it feel like? What did it feel like for you to be in the presence of, of in a sense, godly strength? Hang on, hang on, just get just, a lot of things, guys. I heard protected. What else was he saying? Secure. Safe. Invigorated. Hmm? Awesome. Look, I'm going to be really, I'm going to be really blunt with you because I'm going to use a word that when you began Sangular, it was actually, it was really kind of quite titillating. Titillating, what's that? It, I, I, there, was, there, was, there was an excitement that kind of my blood was going, whoop, 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 whoop. You know, it's like, I mean, it was, honestly. And, and it's supposed to, that what happened is I was, because, you know, we're constantly the company of each other, but suddenly at that moment, we were here and men were silent. I know they often are, um, more than you want. But just to hear your voices sing as you did was angelic, wasn't it? You sang for about 30 seconds. And 45 minutes later, we're still talking about and feeling it. But when, they, when you sang, guys, as well, when you stood there joined together as guys, they felt secure, protected, safe, all these different things. Now, remember, I'm saying to you, we're living in a culture that says there is no such thing as binary, which means male and female. And I'm definitely not saying, because I've got mates who are really struggling in this and do think they're men in women's bodies and women in men's bodies, or just think they're something asexual. I'm not saying people aren't there, and we haven't got to deeply love them and care for them. But I'm saying to you, but there is such a thing as binary, as male and female, that you created them. Let's look really quickly at this, because I want Jesus to have the opportunity to come into your hearts and to touch you where, gentlemen, where you don't feel you, you can be strong, where you don't feel you're secure, where you don't feel you've got what it takes to protect either yourself or your mates, and particularly a beautiful and radiant woman. Gender, being male or female, is actually all about glory. It's not about sex at all. Glory is being drawn into the very essence of who Christ himself is and to live from the fullness of who we are. That's why it's not about muscles, you know, or fast car or, you know, Marlboro man, you know, or Hugh Hefner's beauties, whatever that's supposed to be, etc. God bless those dear women. God bless them. We are created for glory, not for sex. And I realized as a, 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 a victim of horrendous childhood sexual abuse that what happened is Satan wanted me to rejoice in being a glorious ruin. And the Holy Spirit was asking me and inviting me to step out of that and to see that I was ruined glory. But my true identity is glory. Your identity is glory. Um, so therefore, the whole aspect of gender, although gender has been hijacked again today and is now seen to be, I mean, they say that you can be any of 340 different genders, one for almost each day of the year, which will put even more layers of confusion on people. Uh, but it's a much, much more broader concept than just being male and just being female. It's a much broader concept than that. See, you're, we're born male, but we become men. 
There is a journey that we have to take to become men. I've been talking about that the last few days. It's very different for women. It's not that women don't have to take a journey, but actually their bodies manifest their journey. You know, they're bleeding every month, but they like it or not. You know, already they, they, they're constantly laying down their lives. Their fertility is, is, screams their dignity, screams it. So we need to address true gender and not the sexualized aspect. I put the word breast because people think, oh, you know, et cetera. Or, you know, we might think, oh, I want a guy with muscles or I want him, you know, with this, et cetera. Our bodies don't manifest what true gender is. It is a soul thing that's about glory. So fallen masculinity could be, just said to my friend, I like his tattoos, he's going to tell me his stories later on. That's great. It could be about tattoos. It could be about muscles. Could be about how much grog you can take back. It could be about being a hard, tough guy and not having feelings. And often many men are encouraged to try and sort of be this sort of altogether guy and we're not. Giving it away? No, not really. The truth is, you know by now, we're not like that at all. We want to be, we want a tenderness to us as well, similar to what you have. We're not all tenderness. We want to be able to protect, offer security and safety. But we also want tenderness too. But then the same is similar for women. They may feel they've got to be this sort of busty bimbo or flirty or easy, etc., which brings me back to that word no before. All a lady has to say is, <laughs> no. There's my boundary. Step over it. We have a legal system that's happy to deal with you. Yes, we do. It's there for a reason. Use it if you have to. Mm-hmm. I'd say. Thank you, sister. Woo! But also be careful about the situations you put yourself in. Prayerfully discern who your friends should be. Prayerfully discern where you go. We have something called a conscience, and sometimes it pricks us and we think, ooh, this is a bit risky. Step back until you're ready. It's easily said. It's harder to do. But I'm just reminding you you've got a conscience that's there. God and gender. Basically, the Trinity itself, themselves, himself. How do we refer to the Trinity? God embodies the masculine and the feminine and is the source of both. But God isn't a man. Remember, Paul was saying to us, God is not sexual. And yet God is all that is sexual, sexuality, etc. because the male and female is there, etc. But isn't sexual, it's not even sexual relationships, etc. So therefore, God can't be strictly male or strictly female. But is the epitome, in a sense, of both. God reveals himself primarily in masculine terms. Because the masculine is outer-directed, whereas the feminine, as it says there, is inner-directed. So in a sense, God is the true alpha, not the true alpha male, but just the true alpha. And that's why we all to have Mary as the example to us, where we all open ourselves up. You know, we're inner-directed saying, come into me and penetrate me, basically. Penetrate me with your word. That's why prayer is very difficult for men. And we have to give really clear attention to what prayer is about. We find it hard to be still, not to be doing or examining the word or Lexio Divina, whatever it is that we do, or being still. Because what happens is, is um, we, yeah, we, we just don't know how to, in some ways, allow ourselves to become inner-directed. But to become true men, we need to do that. I look at the likes of John Paul II, whose office light was on until the early hours of the morning sometimes. But when I went to see him at Mass, I knew at 7 o'clock in the morning, I knew he'd been up since half past five praying. His day began with prayer. Prayer. He was inner-directed. He was constantly saying, let it be done to me. 
according to your word. Come and penetrate me with your word. Jesus is masculine and feminine. He's not bisexual or androgynous or anything. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? He's the fullness of the Godhead. But he also bears witness to the fullness of redeemed masculine and redeemed feminine. He initiates and responds. He's in total obedience. Let it be done to me. I only do what I see the Father doing, he said. So he's allowing the Father's voice to penetrate every aspect of who he is. But then in the masculine, he is quick to respond. Do you get it? Yeah, love it. Gentlemen, the, the, in, the, in Genesis 3, the, there, are two, there are two sets of words for male and female in Genesis because one is where we are created spiritually and the other is where we're created physically. Where we're created physically, the Hebrew word is zakah. Say that with me, zakah. Say it again, zakah. I love the Z bit. It kind of sounds masculine, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Ladies, your word is, it's not nekabah, it's nekavah. Nekavah. Say it with me. Nekavar. And again. Nekavar. It's kind of, it's lovely, isn't it? You know? <laughs> Zakar means to remember. Nekavar means to open to. Really kind of means to dilate. Remember, the word re means again. It's kind of member again. What things are most men's, yes, consume with? Oh, they're kind of like what's between their legs. Hello, mate, how you doing? I'm not trying to be dirty or anything else. I'm trying to say that actually what happens is your penis is very significant in what glory is all about. That's why what we do with it and how we respond to it as a part of our entire body is very, very important, gentlemen. Very, very important. And we need God's take on that. The same is true for you, ladies. In a sense, your womb, through Mary saying yes to the Spirit of God coming and impregnating her, etc., as she conceives, she creates the new Eden where the new Adam is born. Your vagina is a holy place. It's a holy, holy, wonderful place. Please care for it, respect it, etc. I'm serious. As men, we need you to do that. It is a guarded place for you and a holy place. And we're going to look a little bit later of how do we come back to that place if we have misused it or been misused in some way or other. God restores all of us. There's such a thing as a second virginity. And if you mess up your second virginity, God will give you another second virginity. Do you know why? Because that's what he's like. Until we're back to a place of real purity before him. That's why there's always hope. That's why I love giving these talks. It doesn't depend on me, it's all him. Way. Anyway. But men, we are to sacrifice ourselves for women. And that issue of sacrifice came through, um, through Abraham. Now, interestingly, in Abraham's time, they, uh, they circumcised the kids when they were about the age of, of 13. But Abraham was 90 about then when he had to be circumcised. Actually, was he 99? I think he was 100 when, uh, and when his wife gave birth. It was in that same year, having circumcised himself with that sharp rock over there, as God told him to, that he also impregnated his wife and she who was barren gave birth. The point I'm getting to is this. There is something about the fact that we are willing to lay down our flesh and blood until it hurts. It's about sacrifice, gentlemen. We are called to sacrifice our entire lives 
for the gospel. And who is the bridegroom most besotted with but his bride? So them that we're called to sacrifice our lives. Every month, in some way, written within their bodies is their own history through the menstrual cycle, as I said. You didn't think you are going to be hearing about penises and vaginas and menstrual cycles tonight, did you? <laughs> but God, when we don't understand, when we don't understand the beauty and the glory of our anatomy, we can't live out of the true masculine, the feminine. We haven't got to be frightened of this stuff. Not at all. A man's body is to be about being about strength, but it's not his body. It's about the fact that his body encases his soul, if you like. I mean, the soul's big in the body, some say. What I mean is he has the ability from his soul to offer strength and safety to woman. He's able to be analytical. He can be outwardly directed. And he can be, but please God, not solely, object-oriented. And that is not permission for you to buy yourself more toys, gentlemen. Okay? But a woman's body is also intuitive. It's why women don't respond and should not respond as men respond. And regrettably today, particularly the whole porn thing, is they're feeling like somehow or other they've got to get rid of this intuition and this sense of their own sacredness. And ladies, you haven't. You've got to keep a hold of that dignity. Seriously, you have. You have the fact that you are understanding and that you often are the only ones communicating or that you're calling for communication is a beautiful and good thing. But both need to be tempered with each other. And we see the fact that's why the male body moves into the female body and the female body receives of the male body. But let me tell you, that shouldn't be happening unless it's in the covenant of relationship of marriage. I see damage otherwise. It's not because I'm a killjoy, but because as Paul was saying, and through John Paul II, God's got a bigger yes of love when we put things in his boundaries. But first and foremost, ladies, if you're in a relationship and you're considering this man as a boyfriend or whatever it might be, first of all, you need to ask yourself this question when you're friends. Is he moving towards me with respect and towards my own heart? As a woman, am I able to receive wholly from him and the respect of him for me who I am? Because if that's not happening, don't even begin to entertain him as your boyfriend. Do you understand? And guys, if she's like, oh, hello, you're gorgeous, come here, come here, and all the rest of it, and she's all sexy, like, back off. If she's not willing to step back in her own dignity and recognize that she is so of such dignity she is to be pursued by you, and graciously so, then you need to ask yourselves a lot of questions, otherwise you could find yourself with, with a lot of pain and hurt. I could say in trouble, I'm not about trouble. I just don't want to see you hurt or her further hurt. So the masculine and the feminine. The masculine seeks and is passionate about truth and principle. That's your strength, security, safety that they heard, even in you singing a note and clapping your hands. It wasn't much we did, guys, but they felt it. Our role is to look to the long-term good. If we're not doing that, we have to repent. Lord, I'm just interested in the here and now, really, or tomorrow. Instead of being concerned with the fact that actually long-term good of my life, my spiritual life, my walk with you, and any bride that I might be gracious enough to have. From the feminine side, it's, it seeks and is passionate about mercy and love, the redeemed feminine. And it often looks to the immediate human need. That's why when a kid is hurt, it will generally just naturally or should naturally run towards its mother, his mother or her mother. 
because it knows that love and tender mercy will be there. If it needs to feel strong and protected in its pain, it'll then go to dad. Generally, broad brush statements, you appreciate that. A person of principle might see other people as weak. And that's where we've got to be really careful as men, that we don't suddenly see women's communication, their emotional world as something weak. Actually, what they're doing is they're inviting us to also be in touch with the feminine within us. Jesus wasn't afraid of the feminine. We too got to receive the feminine as well. Um, but the same is true where a person of mercy is concerned. As women, we, or as ladies, you might well see that if men don't respond suddenly to you know, all the different ch challenging and problematic things around you, that you think they're somehow heartless. Well, they may not be. They may say, hang on, there's only so much we can do in this situation. I know many women who say, I told my husband we should sell the house, and we should do all this, and blah, 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 and we should go off, and, and it's all going to go to the poor, and we should do this. I said, hang on a minute, you've got three kids in the school, and the fees every term are 6,000 bucks. How are you going to do it? I'm not saying God isn't telling them to do that, but you may have the desire to become more quickly impulsive and throw everything in because your heart is saying that. And that's why sometimes your heart thinks, he seems like a nice guy, and you go, whoomph, and you open your heart to him, and you go, ow, I got hurt. I wonder why. We should, in some way or other, have been learning a lot of this, of the dynamic of this, from mum and dad and the different couples around us. There's no blame. Remember, our mums and dads didn't have perfect mum and dads, as we didn't have perfect mum and dads, if we had both. The imbalance can be this, though, that men become brutally legal <laughs> and that women go with more of a moral relativism. You know, they moralise about everything. Well, we've got to do this and that. Well, that needs to be answered. That needs to be answered. We've got to answer it all. And it, it's not always the case. This is why we need the masculine and feminine to temper each other. Cold legalism combined men, and yet women can slip into the quicksand of rationalization. Well, some really just quick points, because you'll never or rarely hear these in the outside world today. So men are about doing and initiating, facing the world, orientated towards things. They tend to want to climb, as in they want to move upwards and outwards in all sorts of areas of lives not just their tree surgeons, okay? Their energy is directed towards the physical, measuring, moving, building, conquering, starting new projects, and hopefully finishing them. <laughs> you laugh, I tell you. Anybody guilty of not finishing? Yeah, yeah, of course. They're trying new things and proposing new things. They're willing to move country and be visionary. It's their role to initiate marriage. The masculine wields authority. The, master, the Hebrew word for father is Ab, as in Abraham, father of many. One who decides has a special decision-making ability to help him protect his family and provide for its well-being. The feminine on the other side, we talked about earlier, is about being and responding. Looking inward towards feelings. Sensing. Knowing in a deep sense, or in the deepest sense. Their energy is directed towards relationships rather than material things, or should be. In the redeemed sense, they've got a coming together. They gather people together. They see community being built. They, they, they can pick up the phone and talk for an hour and think, I was only on for five minutes. You know, ladies, I know. They can be nurturing, helping, drawing the world around, um, drawing the world around themselves, basically, or drawing the world around itself. Helping, encouraging, supporting, serving, accepting. Well, ladies, you also wield power. Please understand that. There's a message in which somehow or other you haven't got power. You do. It's not a power that's strength, but it's the ability to endure and to stick the course, to hold things together, and particularly like family. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift that you have. Seriously. 
Which brings us on to identity. What is our identity, which is one of the first things we began looking at a day or so ago here. For men, there's special ways that men can live out God's image, and that includes majesty. What does majesty make you think of? Tall, shoulders back, his majesty, your majesty. You know, I've stood, as you know, in, in the room with princes and kings and queens and the rest of it. And when the top one walks in, whether it's Queen Elizabeth or King whoever of Jordan and different people I've been with, they step in the room and the room stops. Like everybody becomes small because his or her majesty's just walked in. But actually that's our calling before heaven. As we step into heaven or the heavenly realms and we do things, the angelic realm go, whoa, this is one of the ones that he loves. The good, good father loves. Benevolent strength, servant authority. Let me say that word again at the beginning, a servant authority. Any wielding of power, control, decision-making is because we're seeking to serve the overall good of others. Brotherly affection, an open heart to each other. That means to each other as brothers, but also to ladies as well. But if you can't appropriately open your heart and be known for who you are as a guy with other men, you'll never be known by a woman. Not really, and not deeply. You'll be trying to find yourself in her, and therefore you won't live life to the full, neither will she. Wisdom, decision, focus, endurance, and seeking after. You're always looking for what's going on, what's happening, uh, how do we deal with this? Covering, sustaining love. That was the protection bit you talked about earlier, ladies. And a desire for adventure with others, and particularly with women. That dance with the woman, you know, soul-seeking soul. But for ladies, your special way to live out God's image is about being radiant. The warmth that comes out from you. About your beauty, just because you're a woman. Hear that? You haven't got to wear makeup and put your highlights in and do this or anything. You haven't got to do it. You don't understand people. I do understand. I've got a twin sister. And I've worn the makeup myself. I'm quite handsome without the makeup, you know. <laughs> didn't work. It didn't work. I'm serious about that. I challenge some of you. You may need to go for a time without makeup to realize that your beauty is not an external thing, but something deeply inner. And any man who thinks there's something wrong with the size of your bum or your breasts or whatever it is that you question like crazy, let me tell you, God does not make mistakes. The men are saying amen. amen. Hear that. Hear that because there's pressure on you to try and be somebody you're not. Burn Cosmo and Marie Claire and all those other things that tell you you're not right. You are loved by your father. <laughs> Keep breathing, ladies. <laughs> you know, normally the ones most in touch in these kind of talk, talk, talks going on about spirituality, the guys are nodding off to sleep. These are the ones that are really awake tonight. They're thinking, oh, mate, call them into being who they are. That's what we want. We want you to become everything that God's made you to be. We don't want you to try and follow the ways of the world to be something you're not. We want you to see that we too have broken hearts. We want to be able to walk with your broken hearts as well. That we each point each other towards that cross and into eternity. That we can become new Adams and new Eves in the garden. That's what we want. And you got to wear the beauty, relationship, responsiveness, life givers. That you would you would be the people of mystery and the need to be sought. Sometimes you work that one really well, ladies. I've got to say that. <laughs> we still love you. <laughs> oh. 
rested. <laughs> I think you need to get out of the kitchen. But also risk takers, ladies. Sometimes you think you think it's all about us. We've got to be on risk taking. It's not. Sometimes you've got to be risk takers. You do have to awaken our hearts to some of the needs that are around us, or even what your own needs are as well. Don't be frightened about that and risking and getting a balance in it. Some of you have been deeply hurt in that area. So I invite you to begin by risking with the one man who will not reject you, and that is your saviour. And if you struggle with doing that with your saviour, then you need to take a hold of Mother Mary's hand and say to her, would you teach me how to trust him as you trusted him? It's okay to do that. Because some of you have been so deeply hurt by men. So deeply. I want to get on my knees at this point and just say, on behalf of all of us men, I'm sorry for the way any of you, I'm sorry for the way every one of you, in every way has been hurt by a man. You're not worthy of that. It should never have happened. And on behalf of us, we do say, even here and now, please forgive us. I was going to say we're coming onto the healing service shortly, but actually we're in the middle of it. Some of you are struggling to hear the applause, and I understand that, but you need to hear this. You need to hear that there are men out there that want to take care of you. And they don't want you to be perfect. In fact, it's the last thing they expect of you. They want to care for you and they want to see you pointed in a direction that's going to be life-giving for you because they also know that for them to find that life, you help them as well. We do know that, guys. I know we know that. We're just not very good at putting it into words. <laughs> passion and adventure. The last two words. Many of you have had your passion crushed or you feel that passion's got to be this sexual thing. It's not. It's about glory. It's about being all that you are in all your glory. It's not about what your body looks like or what you do with it or anything else. Many women today are stuck in the image of their body because of the wretchedness of pornography. But many of the guys are stuck in performance and orientation and everything else. This might sound a very unusual phrase to say, but again, you won't hear it from anywhere else. Deep down, ladies, your breasts are perfect. Perfect size, perfect shape. Both of them, however different they might be. <laughs> I know. Well, I don't know personally, you know, but. <laughs> Gentlemen. <laughs> calm down, calm down. You need to hear this. They don't give a monkeys about the size of your penis or how your balls hang. They don't. They don't. They, they want your heart. I'm serious. It's about they want to commune with your soul. And your body's a part of that. And if she's pursuing your yes, it's because she likes you. It's the full package. It's not a performance. She wants somebody who's going to help walk alongside her and help her to feel safe and protected and secure that's pointing her towards her truest kiss-me-quick lover. That's what she's looking for. 
And look, I'm taking time to share this with you because as I say, we, we never hear this. This is the antithesis, the opposite of what the world is saying. But if, we, if you don't know where you are, you can't bring yourselves as the women, or the beautiful ladies that you are today and the beautiful gentlemen you are today, you can't bring yourself in honest truth before this cross and before the Holy Spirit and God and receive from the good, good Father the love you need. And I'm also aware that you, so for some of you, may, you may not get teaching like this for another year or so. And let me tell you, the stuff I've been sharing just my last few sessions, or certainly with Paul's last five sessions, there is material enough here for every day in your daily prayer for you to wrangle with this for the next 365 days. There really is. You know? Because it's about glory. Until you can stand in the honor and the dignity of your own body and know who you are and totally abandon yourselves to the hands of the one that loves you forever. That's what it's about. I think actually we're coming to the end. I hope so. Ah, summary. I think that means the end. <laughs> you go and sort out again the Lord for us, I think. We need that. We're going to, because we can do the rest of the bit before the Blessed Sacrament. So the masculine as the capacity, gentlemen, we're called to have the capacity to initiate, to have outer directedness, to exercise servant authority, to make decisions, to have a passion for the truth, for Jesus, who is the truth, of course. And doing is a common thread. And I don't mean doing PlayStation. Doing, I know, I'm sorry, doing games. I mean doing things that affect the well-being and the welfare of other people's lives. The feminine has a capacity to respond. Many of you balk at the ideas like, not bothered then you have had lost or stolen from you the opportunity to truly belong in the fullness of your womanhood. You are called to respond. You are, you are called to stir up the soul of the earth itself. You have an inner directedness and to give everything purpose and meaning, a power to give and sustain life, a strong leaning towards love and mercy, and being is your common thread. I'm inviting you more than ever to waste time with Jesus. Seriously, there's no such thing as wasting time with Jesus. The world might think it is. It's just time of you becoming more you. So men, if you don't feel that you manifest majesty, there's a dialogue you're going to have to have with the Lord about that. And ladies, if you're not manifesting your radiance, then there's a dialogue that you're going to need to have with the Lord about that as well. Just as we're waiting for the Blessed Sacrament to be brought in, um, I'm just going to invite you just to close your eyes. Just be still where you are. I've shared a lot about, um, about a number of different aspects of the male and the female with us over these past couple of days along with my beautiful brother Paul as well. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you what is it, the one key thing that he wants to deal with in your life around you being male or female. What is the one thing? There may be several. And if several come up, I invite you to say, Lord, is the one major thing there? A bit like 
going to the hospital, you know, with the, the bone sticking out your leg, it may be that there is a, um, there's one particular area the Lord has wanted to deal with most of all. And I just want to give him permission to reveal that to you before anything else. That's me. Come, Holy Spirit, reveal to us what that might be. That was James Parker with What It Means to Be Man and Woman. For more from the Immaculata Mission School, visit cradio.org.au.